Hello, and welcome to the Thinking Elixir podcast, where we cover the news of the community and learn from each other. My name is Mark Erickson. I'm Cade Ward. And I'm David Bernheisel. Let's jump into the news. The first item is a new scalable ETS ordered set blog post was written up on the Erlang blog. The post details some improvements going from OTP 21 to 22. If you recall, OTP 23 was released in May 2020. So this isn't announcing a new improvement, but it is an excellent write-up that shows some of the engineering work and improvements that come in Beam releases. The summary is that the scalability of ETS tables of type ordered set with the write concurrency option is substantially better in Erlang OTP 22 over earlier releases. In some extreme cases, you can expect more than 100 times better throughput. The cause of this improvement is a new data structure called the Contention Adapting Search Tree. The blog post includes benchmarking graphs showing the improvements under different conditions and helps visualize how the internal tree structure works. It's a great insight into some of the engineering work still being done on the beam. Next up, Elixir Lang website added a second case study. This one features the usage of nerves at FarmBot. These case studies are a great resource and can be a helpful asset when you're advocating for Elixir for projects or at your, on your teams. And the last one is, it qualifies as news to me, but it's also noteworthy for the general community. Sasha Yurik, the author of the book Elixir in Action, created a hex package called Site Encrypt. This package implements Let's Encrypt support, making it easy to add to your Phoenix applications. For those not familiar with Let's Encrypt, it's a free service and a set of tools for issuing automated TLS certificates. The certificates are short-lived, like 90 days, but they are auto-renewed. I'm excited to see this and put it to use. That's it for the news. Today, we're pleased to be joined by Mike Bins. Uh, he works at Dockyard, and we're glad to have him because recently on the show, we've been talking about some different uh, news items and things that have been landing in Ecto for upcoming releases. And these were exciting changes, things that I've been looking forward to. And we thought, who better to give us the lowdown on this and help us understand it better than Mike Bins, the guy who is writing the PRs and making it happen. So thank you for coming to the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me. So Mike, maybe you could give us a little bit more background about yourself, uh, what you're doing, where you work, what kind of problems you're solving. Sure. Uh, so my name is Mike Bins. I'm a senior software engineer with Dockyard. Uh, Dockyard, if, if you're not aware, is a design and development consultancy that helps companies build new apps and provide senior level staff augmentation and architecture review services. Uh, we also offer Elixir training services for companies interested in leveling up their teams with Elixir. Uh, so if your company is interested in diving into Elixir, please come uh, see me or check us out at dockyard.com. I currently live north of Boston, a little town called South Hamilton. Uh, I've got four boys ages from 5 up to 11. And I've been in Elixir since uh, 2014, so coming up on six years now in Elixir. At Dockyard, I've worked on a number of different projects. Uh, if you saw the ElixirConf talk that I gave uh, in 2019, I uh, covered that that project pretty well. That was a lot of teaching and training that we, we did with them. Was that a partnership with cars.com? Yes. Yeah, I remember that talk. And it was after that talk, I went up and talked to you. It's like, I've got to have him on the show. And that was back when I was uh, working with Elixir Mix. Uh, it's a good show. And I really enjoyed some of the things and the insights you had there. So 
Uh, it's been uh, so. I'm going to call you a friend of the show, even though the show is very young. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so one of the things I thought was interesting in talking about this, like when you kind of shared what you were working on on Twitter, you mentioned that you were quote between client projects, hence the extra time to work on Ecto. And I thought that might be cool to kind of share a little bit of insight about what kind of freedom you have there at Dockyard to work on projects that aren't always client-focused. Yeah, so as a software consultancy, obviously we have clients starting and stopping projects, uh, and those aren't always lined up well. Uh, So there's time between where you have engineers uh, doing uh, what we call on-the-bench between projects. And at Dockyard, if you're on the bench, uh, it's similar to our Dockyard days, which uh, is every Friday. Uh, even if you are on a, on a client project, your Friday is uh, your own time to, to work on things that uh, you're interested in, uh, be it open source or training or uh, company meetings you, uh, often. So, yeah, if you're on the bench, you have that uh, full time. So you can, uh, like I said, work on open source. You can work on blog posts. We can uh read books, watch uh, conferences, things like that. For me, when uh, my most recent project wrapped up, I was working on a personal project, and I once again came across the the need to have a field that was um, an atom, or the desire to have a field that was an atom instead of a string. Like many people had written uh, a version of that in the past that uses the custom type, uh, Ecto custom type. And so I submitted a pull request, which would add that to Ecto. So you mentioned the desire to have a, you know, atom uh, valued fields that are, you know, pulling data from the database, which obviously is not stored as an atom. And I know that there are a number of different libraries in the Elixir ecosystem that have been created over time to try and fill this gap. I'm just wondering when you kind of set about creating this pull request, uh, were you inspired by any of these other ones or was there some characteristics that you're saying, yes, I really like this. And this is, this is what I'm going for. Uh, so yeah, it's something that I've, I've, I think many of us have thought about for a while. So I'm not sure where I first, uh, what I first saw in it or what I first saw out there, but yes, like you mentioned, there's a number of, uh, solutions out there. Uh, to me, the key was that, uh, obviously that it solved for the issue of, uh, atom overflow. So you, you want to make sure it wasn't generating atoms and potentially take your system down with bad data. Uh, so that that was that was kind of the primary one for me. So there were three different attempts at this that I made. Uh, the first one was simply uh, creating a custom type similar to what most of us have done to address this in the past, where you create a, a custom type and you have to create a new module for each uh, each enum that you want. So you'd have to for each one specify. I want this, these three atoms, or this one I want these four atoms, but you'd have to create a new module for each one. So that was the first pass that I submitted. The reply from Jose was that he really wanted to get rid of that module and make it uh, so you don't have to create a module for each type, and that it would just simply be de- defined in the uh, field definition. So I took another pass at that, and what really was the desire from Jose was to have uh, what he called a parameterized type which was an expansion of the custom type. And so in order for a enum to be added into Ecto, he wanted it to be done using a parameterized type. 
So I love that there was, you know, this, uh, this feedback loop between you making suggestions and, hey, you know, I like where you're going. I'd like to see some of this, you know, maybe we can tweak it in this other direction. Maybe this is a good point to just kind of inject and just kind of like ask, like, what was your experience like having made these pull requests? Like, what would you characterize this as a good experience? It was a, a positive one? Or uh, did you feel like there was challenges that maybe we could do better with? I think it was great. And it's one of the one of the reasons why I think uh, that the Elixir language is is such a great experience for developers is is the experiences like the ones that I had with this. Um, Jose is a, is really good at at uh, guiding developers in the ideas that he has and, and communicating those and, and pushing us to not settle for the quick fix. Uh, like I mentioned, the first version of this that I put in was. Uh, it was probably 50 lines. It wasn't, wasn't a, a big deal, uh, but it wasn't great. It, you know, it required more work for the developer down the road. And so Jose said, no, you know, let, let's, let's try to tackle this the, the right way, the way that that's going to be the best for developers. I'm no stranger to having pull requests rejected by Jose. Um, <laughs> I think I've, I've had them rejected since early on in my career. Maybe that's, I just approached these issues by just throwing a pull request as opposed to asking. Uh, but for me, taking on a challenge, even if it's not going to be uh, merged is a, is a good learning opportunity for me. So I'm, I'm happy to be uh, challenged in the things that I, I submit. And like I said, Jose has done that plenty of times and uh, this one happened to go well. So uh, that's great. Yeah. So you'd mentioned that Jose wanted something called like that he would call a, a parameterized type. And so that was one of the other underlying features as part of this PR. So maybe you could give us a little overview of kind of what that is when you're talking about a parameterized type. Yeah. So for a while now, Actos had custom types and the custom type is great. Uh, for example, the UUID, I believe the custom type and a custom type allows you to define how to, how you cast dump and load data when interacting with the database or uh, in change sets. The, the issue or the limitation with custom types is that there's no way to, uh, unless you create different modules, there's no way to, to tweak or change the options that you're dealing with. So, for example, the Ecto UUID type is a custom type, uh, but there's no, there's no customization uh, beyond the, the concept of what a UUID is. So if you wanted, for example, to have a UUID and on this field, I wanted them always to, you know, start with A for whatever reason, that, you know, whether that's even legal or not. But if you wanted your UUIDs always to start with A on this field, but always start with B on this field, you couldn't do that. You'd have to you'd have to create a new custom type for each field that you want to define. What parameterized types do is it allows you not only to say this field is a UUID or or whatever it is, but also here are some values that when you're casting and loading and dumping, you can use you can know that for this field, these values apply. And so what that allows is the, for example, the enum, we could an enum could be a custom type. And and again, that's what we've we've all created them as, as custom types. But you would have to, in the cast, load, and dump functions for that uh, module, you would have to specifically hard code the status is, is starting uh, or ended or whatever, you'd have to hard code those into the actual module. Parameterized types allows you to say, uh, this field is an enum, 
and enum is only defined once. There's one there's one enum module that's now part of Ecto. But for this enum, you know, these three atoms are valid. And then when data is either cast load cast, loaded, or dumped, uh, the code in Ecto is given not only the value that it needs to deal with, but it's also given the parameters or the, the option the options that were specified to say, look, these are the three valid for this field. And now you can have you know, 50 different fields across your your uh, code base that are enums, but you're not defining any modules other than, you know, the enum that's already exists in Ecto. That's nice. So is that also where it's able to, I, I assume you're still able to build on the default value kind of existing attribute when you're defining a field on a schema? So you could have like, say, hey, I want it to be an enum. And it maybe it's called status, and it has like open, pending, and closed, and I want it to default to pending, you know, as an where pending is an atom. Basically, it sounds like custom types or just any ecto types previously had no way of passing options into the type itself, and that's kind of what parameterized type adds is like some kind of way to add per instance, per per usage, um, options into a type. And then whoever creates that type can kind of like specify what their API is, what kind of options you can pass in to customize the runtime behavior of that type. And so I guess what Mark was asking and what I, I'm still trying to understand is like, how do, how would options that you're passing into say enum and then options that you're passing into field, do they mix together or do you just have to forego customize passing options into field? Yeah, so currently uh, the code will take any option, any any options that you specify on the field and pass those in as a parameterized type to the parameterized type under it. Not having the code right in front of me, I believe uh, that, so well, I know that all the options that you specify on in the field definition will be passed into parameterized types uh, into the options, which will then be passed in a cast, load, and dump. Uh, but and I'd have to check this, but I believe that uh, Ecto still is analyzing those those options as they're being passed in, and there's uh, some of them that are being being applied uh, and honored. Uh, again, I'd, I'd have to look at the code to to remember exactly which ones are. That's cool, though. So having now kind of been digging into this idea and like saying, hey, we need to be able to pass in more values to our customized to our custom types. Have you thought of or seen any possibilities where you think ideas for other people, like where they might take this? And so what are some other things that might come out of this new feature? I know that at least uh, one person is working on looking at some sort of uh, polymorphic types uh, with it. So you could, a type could be one of, of multiple different types. Uh, so that that I believe that is going to require a little bit more work. Uh, one of the one of the so the, the requirement for enum from Jose was that it was implemented through parameterized types. And then the, the requirement for parameterized types that he would wanted to see was that it was sufficient to allow embed to be uh, rewritten as a parameterized type. And so actually that was a lot of the work that went, went into this was uh, trying to get parameterized types to a point where you could remove the hard-coded concept of embed as a type, and it would simply be a parameterized type. 
we did a lot of work on that and dug into that. Uh, unfortunately, ran into the complexity that w- would be required to move that out. There's a lot of hard-coded logic in Ecto surrounding embed, and we we worked worked to try to get that pulled out. Uh, but uh, ultimately, in this pass, we weren't able to to do that. And so I think there there's more work to be done around this in the future. That's going that would uh, allow more features to be added. Uh, part of the issue is that the there's a lot of like there's some legacy or there's some APIs in there that uh, would be broken if we were to to uh, make some of these uh, underlying changes. And so uh, there's not currently a new major version of Ecto planned. So the, the at this point we didn't want to break the the underlying API in in that way. Right, that would probably require like a 4.0 kind of significant breaking change release. Exactly, yes. And it would be great. I, I still would love to see uh, embeds be a parameterized type because what that would allow is uh, casting embeds using just the regular cast mm-hmm. instead of having to, you know, figure out cast embed, uh, put embed, all that, all that stuff that, you know, there's so many different uh instructions out there and it's still confusing uh having done it multiple times to figure out you know dealing with embeds and casting and all that and for that to be simplified down to being able to be cast just like a you know a string or an integer that would be great but that looks like it's it's further off i can see how that would make uh some nice improvements for because when i've dug i've dug into ecto code before looking at the embeds stuff and it's like realizing this is fairly complicated. That was like several, yes. you know, versions ago. And it is very intertwined with a lot of other logic. So it would be nice if there was a way to kind of more cleanly extract that out. Just if nothing else, then just for like maintaining and understanding it. Exactly. Definitely. And, that, and that's where that, that's where the initial desire from Jose came also, you know, for that. And he wanted, wanted to, to pull that out because that, that logic is across a number of different modules. And it's also kind of intertwined with so, uh, the association stuff so separating that out would would have been great and uh, like i said we 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 got most of the way there but uh that we just weren't able to we weren't able to complete it without breaking the the api that's really interesting it kind of boggles my mind i don't fully understand it but it's exciting at the same time because i feel like some of the more complicated things i've done have just been with the subtleties of embeds and how they track changes a little differently or behave a little differently than normal schemas. And I've tripped on those more than once. And maybe if they were a little more of just a normal type rather than having special behaviors, maybe that would help some other people. I've definitely tripped on those a few times. Yeah. As hard as it is to to work with them, it's even harder to try to replicate the logic that's, that's different in the embed code flow versus the regular cast code flow. And that's really where the, where the, the issues were is, is, you know, you make, make a change to make it, you know, act how you think it should. And then all the tests are broken because there's, <laughs> there's so many different specific things that happen. And then, you know, you have to try to figure out, well, can I, can I massage the cast code enough to, to both meet what cast embed did, but also not break what the original cast did. What I love about that is, is, you know, having projects where you have good test coverage and they're not like brittle tests, but they're like tests like these are the public guarantees that we're making about this library. 
And just like, it's so much nicer, you know, having worked on projects where that wasn't there and just having gone through the hassle of like having to test everything. And then I find, I think I'm all done. I find one little thing and I have to, I, I, I fix the one little thing. And I have to retest everything manually. It's just horrible. So yeah, I'm just, I, I think it's great. I think it's, uh, you know, just hearing that you had that experience just gives me confidence as a user of the library that things aren't going to accidentally break on me as, as other people are making improvements. So that's, I, I like that. Yeah, definitely. And that's, you know, that for me, this was actually, this was my, this is my first contribution to Ecto. Uh, so I, I dove in knowing very little, nothing really about the code and how it worked, just having used it. Uh, and like you said, that having the tests there, if, if the tests weren't there, I would, I wouldn't have even been able to attempt it because I would have broken everything and not known it. But yeah, the being able to say, hey, you know, this is how I think it should work. I'm going to change the cast code to do this. And instead of dealing with embeds this way, deal with it this way, and then try it. And, oh, look, you know, all these different things that are different between cast and cast embed. It's just a list of things to work through. And it was, it, so it was, it was actually, it was very much, uh, I don't know if that falls under test driven development, but, uh, you know, break it and let the tests show you what you broke and, uh, clean it up. Gives you kind of a path to take, like where to go next. Exactly. Yeah, it was definitely that. And, and it, it was, the point, so when I first made the changes, you know, there was a hundred, you know, probably a hundred broken tests. So finally I went through and I just started tagging them all as skips. So instead of trying to track them, I'd mark them all as skipped and then slowly remove one at a time and, and see, see what, what, uh, what I need to fix for that one. And then I'd know if the next one broke, you know, or if that change broke the other ones that I already fixed. So it was, it was fun. I, I was, I enjoyed the process. It was great. I wonder, um, going back to the parameterized type, I wonder how parameterized type is going to help with, uh, with schema list, um, change sets and, and, you know, such as that, because I know that with schema list change sets, they typically have problems with embedded schemas <laughs> because you're mixing two concepts, right? Schema list and schemas <laughs> and embeds, you know, need, need those schemas. So I, I wonder if there's an opportunity there to make that a little bit more, um, congruent of an experience especially with like um, API versioning and schema versioning. So like today I, I release a, an API and it's got these fields on it, but next year I need to add a field and the user sends in an API version string to, to let me know which, you know, which set of rules to operate upon it. Uh, I really want to use schema list change sets for that reason, right? And react to that field, but I, I can't reasonably because as soon as I mess with embedded, you know, other schemas, like it's, it no longer really works. So I, w I wonder, and maybe I'm, I'm th off, off base here, but I wonder if parameterized types could help me avoid that issue. But that sounds like a different, I mean, that's chain sets, not so much like types, but if you're, if the next step with parameterized type is to like rework how embeds work, you know, how, how they're cast and all that could be interesting. Yeah, definitely. There's there's a lot of opportunities out there. I'm excited to see what what people do with this. Uh, like I said, I I couldn't think much beyond the enum that I really cared about initially. Um, <laughs> the polymorphic stuff someone someone else had thought about, and uh, you know, so it's 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 there and it's it's ready for whoever's got ideas much better than mine to take it and run. Yes, yeah, so that's an invitation and a challenge to you, dear listener. So like I think this is interesting just because it's like one of those foundational pieces that people can build on and it'll be interesting to see what people come up with. 
So another feature that I saw as a separate uh, Twitter announcement of yours uh, was the addition of the ability to say redact on a field definition in a schema. And so maybe you could give a little, a little introduction to what that means and what, what, uh, what was driving this. Sure. So with the parameterized type work, there was a lot of uh, back and forth and, hey, here's, here's, here's where I'm at. What do you think? And so there's, there's time in between. So uh, I did what I often do when I have free time and just started poking around at, at issue lists and see what's, what's out there, what needs to be fixed, what, what ideas are there. And there's one in the Ecto uh, repo from uh, late last year that was simply adding the redact field to the to the redact option to a field, uh, and that would allow that would make the field not appear in change uh, change sets. So you mentioned in there that the work for this was actually specified in the open issues on Ecto. And I think before we go and kind of dig much deeper into how Redact works, maybe that's uh, a good way to, or would you say that that is a good way to, for people who want to jump in and start to help out to, to look through open issues like that for submitting PRs? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so that's, you know, the open source uh, community is, is great. And uh, often I think people might, not I feel like they can't contribute to the open source community because they don't know the code base or they don't they don't understand how how things work. But there's there's so many different ways that you can start you know uh, dip your toe in the water with with a, a repository to try and uh, help out. Uh, for example, simply going through the the list of issues, you can uh, try to reproduce an issue. You know that if if the ticket has enough information in it, in it that it, you can try to reproduce it and go for it and say, yeah, I'm still seeing this or no, I'm not seeing it. Uh, either one of those is helpful to the maintainer. Maybe there's not actually enough information to reproduce it. You can ask, say, hey, what do I need? I can't, I want to try to reproduce this. What, what information do I need? And that's going to help the maintainer who hasn't had a chance to ask that question, uh, get more information uh, out of the person reporting the issue. You can give thoughts on on uh, feature requests, things like that. And if you see an issue that maybe you think, you know what, let me try and uh, tackle this issue. I can you can jump in and uh, take a shot at a pull request for for that. There's so many ways you can get into open source and, and helping out without necessarily understanding the entire code base or what's going on. Like I said, this is my first jump into Ecto. I hadn't been in the code at all uh, in the past. So there's definitely plenty to do. So that's cool. I, I think it's uh, neat. It's one of the things I haven't thought to do recently was just, you know, jump in and look and see what open issues are there. And even just, even if I don't feel confident in taking on to actually fix the issue, but just like, like you mentioned there, uh, can I reproduce it? If I can, or, you know, I had to do some extra stuff to, to make it so I could reproduce it, just adding that information to the ticket is helpful for the maintainer just to save them time. So they're not having to try and do that. But that's, that's a contribution that I have to move a project forward. So I appreciate that. That's great. So coming back to uh, the discussion of the redact feature. So that's where you discovered it. It was an open issue. And you thought, let me see if I can take this on. And, and I was just curious, like, did you pick that one? Because it's like, hey, I've seen this problem before. Uh, was there any of that in this? 
Not this one particularly. Honestly, it was it was uh, I went through and looked, and it was out of twelve or so uh, issues. I think it was the one the only one that I thought I could actually take on. So I said, you know what, I'll take a shot at this. And um, well, to that, sir, I say thank you because it was a, something that's going to be helpful for me. Because uh, like I've I've worked on systems before where you know we're uh, recording uh, sensitive data. You know, be it, uh, you know, you have passwords as always, but, you know, maybe there's a social security numbers and maybe, you know, we want to encrypt those and, and everything. But, you know, there's, there's uh, sensitive data that you just don't want showing up in your logs. So uh, does this redact feature help? Like if I were to inspect a schema, like, uh, so I have, I've loaded a schema, a user or a customer or something like that. And I, and, you know, I say, hey, something blew up, inspect the logs. It was this, this was the customer. Is this redact feature going to be something that's going to say, hey, we're not going to output that in the logs? Yes. And it, it does that two ways. So the, the the first way is using the derive function of inspect. And so if you, like you said in your case, let's say you have a user and you have a, a password field and you mark it as redact. If you inspect that user, that field actually won't show at all in the inspect. It will be hidden. So that doesn't doesn't accidentally end up in, a, in an error log somewhere. Uh, the other thing is inside a change set, so the problem with, with just uh, dealing with user is that inside a change set, you have the changes map. And that changes map also is going to have the, the actual password in it. But it's not, it's not a user struct at that point, so you, it's not tied to that. So the inspect protocol on change set is also updated to loop through those changes and say, if you find a change that is marked as redacted or marked as redact in, in the field definition, redact that, that value in the change. It'll still show the change. It'll just show, you know, star, star, redacted, star, star. Nice. So yeah, that totally makes sense. Like that's something you don't necessarily think about is the, the changes, uh, and, and having that some, you know, cause like it's when, the change that blows up or something and you're like, Hey, I, I just, I don't, didn't expect to have this problem. Let me log out what's going on. Like, yeah, that's, you want to make sure those things don't show up there. I, I like how you put Hunter two as your password in the tests. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I figured, figured that would, uh, yeah, you gotta have fun with it. Right. Now I realize that you are not, uh, um, you know, as you mentioned, like you haven't been involved with the Ecto project before. Uh, but so these are some interesting features. I'm looking forward to when they might land. Do you have any sense of uh, just kind of what their timeline is for? Because I know this, at least like what I've heard is that this would be earmarked for Ecto 3.5 and later. Yes. So the Ecto 3.5 is when you'll you'll find both of these uh, features, or all, all of these features, and uh, the enum parameterized types and redact. And I will clarify, the original version was redacted. You would mark a field as redacted true. It's now redact true uh, in the, the correct tense. But 3.5, the latest from Jose, is that that's going to be released within the next maybe three weeks. So that's something I'll be able to play with in not too long. Well, you can pull master and play with it today. That's true. I just won't want to deploy it today. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, I've had an awesome time talking with you. Thank you for coming on and sharing your time. Uh, I appreciate getting the insight into what's going on with some of these new features that are coming out, and I look forward to seeing those land. Uh, if anyone wants to get in touch with you or uh, follow you online, what's the best way to do that? Sure. So I'm on Twitter, The First Avenger, uh, and GitHub, similarly, for The First Avenger. 
Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening. We hope you'll join us next time on Thinking Elixir. So I've got to ask, like we're, I was recently talking with Connor Rigby and he was sharing some stuff that he was doing with NIFS and he was inspired by a blog post that you did where you were playing with an Xbox Connect. So I just got to know, like, did you end up having any fun with that? Did you go anywhere with it? Yeah, that was, uh, that was fun. Uh, so I think it's actually, well, similar uh, the parallels with the parameterized type. So my desire with that project was to get a wrapper built make it work between Elixir and then the, the C library that, that exists out there and then uh, pass it off and, and make that available and see what the, what the community comes up with. So I did what was exciting for me to get, get that working and, and uh, creating a, you know, a, a live view demo app that, uh, that shows the functionality. But uh, again, that's, that's out. And uh, if you have a, one of the old Xbox 360 connects, uh, grab that, that uh, library and uh, see what, see what you can come up with.